0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sour and Sass. I am very excited to be joined today by the CMO of a Primo, Ed Brial. Welcome to the show, Ed. Thanks for having me, Garrett. Yeah, man. No, I'm glad to have you here. This is going to be exciting. Now, as I was prepping, I was looking at your LinkedIn. Yeah. And they always talk about not burning bridges in your career. You were at a Primo, you left, you came back. <laughs> That's actually a really cool story. So you can, you maybe start with kind of like how you did that? Because I feel like a lot of people I bet are super like nervous or uncomfortable to go back to a previous employer that they loved because (laughs) they like left and like, tell me that story. What was that like?
1: Yeah. I mean, so it, it deserves explanation because um, it it wasn't actually a bridge that was burned. It was more like a bridge that was built uh, because a Primo actually originated in a Uh, 1998 as a startup, you know, rapid growth. And then it was acquired. So it went into uh, Teradata Corporation in 2011. So in there for five years, they killed the brand um, and everything about a Primo and it adopted a new um, branding. Um, And then uh, in 2016, we carved that asset out into private equity and became a Primo again. So it was really... It was a reborn brand and uh, built a, a new bridge from, you know, legacy technology to modern SaaS, latest, greatest. So we weren't born in the cloud. We were reborn
0: uh, SaaS in the cloud. So you've been with them since 2006 then to a certain extent. Right. What's it like doing something that no one's ever done in marketing before? Like stay with someone for more than a year. Yeah, it's, like crazy. How-
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, but you, you kind of get this opportunity to like reinvent yourself, reinvent yourself. And as you go do that, you know, as you know, the market changes and uh, technology changes and, you know, humans like to move sort of relatively linear in terms of change technology is exponential change. So I love the idea of owning a, uh, a space of a category of the mark in the market and continuously disrupt that category and rebuild it, make it new again, make it fresh, evolve it. And, um, you know, in doing so, it's uh, it's definitely been a, a journey that felt like, you know, five different iterations of a company. So while it's a, a reborn brand, it's uh, it's definitely evolved so much, and it's it's kept my um, my growth.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And so the category is digital asset uh, management, correct?
1: Digital asset management and marketing work management. So what we did was, yeah. we took two categories that we're the market leader, you know, if you look at Forrester, Gartner for digital asset management for customer experience and marketing work management, we realized we had to bring those worlds of work and content together, digital and, you know, content together. Um, And then we create this uh, new space called content operations, which is what some of the largest and um, some of the best uh, enterprise, um, you know, lower and even mid-market brands use to uh, generate revenue from Uh, digital and content experiences.
0: I like that. So when we say driving revenue from digital and content, you know, anecdotally, I went all in on visible in, I think 2018. Um, And they had this big promise to me when I, you know, threw their script into the footer that I was going to be able to start to really understand the impact of my content, tie that into my Salesforce data with opportunities, deals and revenue. And that was going to drive my content strategy. Holy crap. That is not remotely what I got. I wasn't able to do that. Are you all able to do that? Like, is anyone able to do that where I can be like, Hey, I wrote this blog post and then these are the ops that it drove. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's what I did asset management. Uh, it, think of it as a hub for, okay. for content. And there's all of these, um, digital experience endpoints for content content's going to go to your website it's going to connect into your web cms it's going to go in your stores it's going to go hit your social channels. so email everything every possible digital channels hooked up to the hub and then this hub then is connected into your erp systems and your work management systems and all of the different um Uh, systems of record, systems of differentiation, innovation within the org, and then a work management capability to help get those strategies, go to market plans into market, push it. And then you have the connectivity back into now connecting strategies with outcomes and you've got marketing uh, return on effort is what we like to call it.
0: Yeah. I love the return on effort. I think we can unpack that in a little bit, but I have like a, Maybe a pointy question for you because I'm very curious about this. You and I, I feel like, service at large, average order value type accounts. Like, you're not a freemium provider for, you know, any type of company that wants to do content. You're very much mid-market and even more so enterprise for, for the real use case of your product to exist. I'm very similar. I used to do a ton of content. And then as we became more codependent on, like, being able to only close larger accounts. The fact that I couldn't control my firmographics. In other words, like I used to spend a lot on Google ads, third party review sites, and organic. We then went upstream and I started to spend a lot more on LinkedIn and using like Clearbit X on Facebook because I could target companies with over 100 employees who use Marketo, let's yeah. say, and I can make sure that they were digitally mature for my business. So I stopped investing in content. So for you at a primo, how do you think about content marketing when it comes for driving higher average order value accounts? because I've been getting my butt kicked and I'd love to just hear some different perspectives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now me as a marketer, I'm trying to connect with these these great you know companies and yeah. you think about how you get to them, you know there's definitely sort of SMB, mid market, plays within marketing, and then there's enterprise plays. So to get from the, we'll call it mid market and up, you know, there's obviously inbound, there's outbound, and then there's partner or channel, right? So one of the things that we do is we work all three of those very hard. Uh, So from a channel standpoint, there's a whole ecosystem of related service providers, vendors, technologies, like take Salesforce, as an example, take Optimizely or, um, was that be server now, you know, new company Optimizely we partner with those technologies. So we go, we market through those channels. Um, and then from an inbound standpoint, we want to create this magnetic demand out in the market. And what we do is we get in the heads of, and really understand our, our personas, you know, our marketing leaders, our IT leaders, our CMOs, you know, chief digital officers out there, chief compliance officers for our regulated industries. And what we want to do is we want to be there for them at their moment of need. The moment of need exists when they're not thinking about a primo, they're not thinking they need a digital asset management or work management system. They're thinking they've got challenges because, you know, compelling event, a bank gets fined, fails audit, they're out there looking, right? There's, uh, there's a need out there. They start to search. To chase.
0: Chase. I don't want this to happen to me as Bank of America. How do I avoid it?
1: Exactly. Fines for you know improper marketing or um, you know, making your um, your claim, your references, your claims, your information's not properly substantiated. And yeah, that with even life sciences company. So we want to be there for them at their moment of need. And we use content as a method to build uh, trust and authority with them. And so if we put that out there, you know, we promote it, we syndicate it. And then back to your, what channels we use. Yeah. These platforms now are hyper targeted. Like, um, we use some predictive demand analytics that has uh, an ad serving platform on top of it. So we can find exactly the intent that's out there, serve up in whatever the channel is that they're on that digital property that it finds the remnant that they're on and it gives them that helpful guide they're looking for. Yeah. Um, how to na- have it, how to navigate uh, content challenges within financial services or life sciences, as an yeah. example, uh, that's from an out you know an outbound standpoint, Yeah. From, yeah. Or, um, an inbound standpoint. Uh, from an outbound standpoint, there we do massive amounts of you know you have your total addressable market, then you have your sales addressable mark, market or your, your SAM is what we like to call it. So we're modeling out all of the accounts that we would potentially want to. Uh, create an, a, a commercial engagement with, you know, we've yeah. got our accounts, our sub accounts, our hierarchies, our contacts, we research. Then the teams, our our BDR team does massive amounts of research on these accounts yeah. and it's personalization to the account plus the person like the individual level. And then we perform outreach and, you know, we give folks permission to, to build relationships, be valuable. And um, it's just, it gets down to knowing who your audience is, that ideal customer profile who would buy from you and then creating demand in a very intentional, very
0: specific fashion. I love that answer, Ed, and I'm going to unpack it in a second, but this is sour and sass. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I forgot that was the whole, yeah. <laughs>
1: Are you ready? All right. So you you gave me like some options. Are we going the toxic waste? I'm going waste?
0: straight to the toxic waste. Are you a oh. warhead? I'm, I'm just going to all in on this toxic waste stuff. Oh, all right. So. Uh, with,
1: uh let me open this up so my daughters uh my family we love uh wasabi or um sushi and we do the wasabi yeah. challenge. so i could take some wasabi i don't even know yeah. what the
0: heck is this toxic waste all right here well we i mean this, i don't think wasabi is that natural either right so this is going to be right up your alley because <laughs> like i think they have to manufacture a lot of the wasabi these days right like we yeah. are not getting fresh wasabi usually no oh okay The first one's not as bad as the second. That's the only nice thing I can say about this one. It's not that bad, see?
1: Muscles are starting to cramp a little
0: bit. Oh, yeah, there it goes. Crap. So I love what you said there because you said inbound and then completely ignored organic, which is so brilliant because it's like doing SEO can mess with your head. Like my hard skill is SEO. And what i found in SEOs is that we have to break this ideology that a good piece of content, a good topic is one that has lots of volume and low difficulty. It's like how our brains are wired. We're like more organic traffic. But what you were saying is you use this moment of need, which I think we can almost transpose the moment of pain. So like when your ideal customer persona has pain and they need so much pain that they go from apathy to action and they search out a solution. That might still be informational intent, not even commercial. Mm -hmm. We want them to discover us. So it sounds like, number one, for organic, you're not worried about keyword volume, really, frankly, at all. You're worried about, like, discoverability outside of your category. I'm talking, like, but, like, discoverability around use cases for your product or pain-solving moments. But you did something we haven't done that well, which is, you said, syndication and promotion. So what does, like... Maybe I'm biased, but I think Outbrain and Taboola or whatever the hell it's called is kind of like crap. So how do you think about syndication? Because maybe I'm completely wrong. Like, how are – like, you get in front of your persona and you syndicate it, and then are you able to get people from, like, reading it to wanting a demo? Like, that's that hard part for me. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but um, I'll answer that. But going back on absolutely organic. Organic is – I mean, that's really how we started this brand back. It's organic. It's probably the highest – converting traffic we have wow. with um, having built the brand and yeah we've got our you know our pillar keywords we've got our you know our short tails on them then we've got our long tail variations we've got and then we're building into all of our content that and you know, on the website and all the different you know areas of the site that matter but um that's um the what does that team
0: look like before we go past that like what does that team look like how many what do you because I think everybody wants to do that, Ed, and then they like give it to one guy named Joe, and he just drowns and it never goes anywhere. So, like, what does that like process look like for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, It's um, we have we we come up with what our our key words are that we want to go after those pillars, and it's a combination of my brand, my head of content, head of demand gen, and and, uh, my digital my digital team, and that that's really the three that works together. And then what they do is. They build a content strategy uh, around what it is that we want to start to rank for. We build a an owned digital property uh, strategy around it. We built an earned media strategy. And so-
0: everybody's nodding right now with you, Ed. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they're like, who writes it? You know what I'm saying? Like, how? Because we all have the strategy we want to do, I feel like. And then we just do like a quarter of it and it doesn't work. And we're like, content doesn't work. Yeah. But we really didn't do it. we, could not execute? How are you executing all that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've got an awesome team of um, content writers um, and creative team designers and uh, work very tightly with my um, product marketing team as well, uh, making sure we're on message, on brand, but at the same time we're connecting with an audience and uh, yeah, it just takes uh, great resources in order to deliver.
0: So we have that content. We're delivering it, and then you talk promotion and syndication. So, how are you syndicating it? Because, like, you know, it's like content that goes live, like the tree that falls in the woods and nobody hears it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the content you publish but nobody reads. Like, how are you getting over that part? So, we know
1: our audiences. So, for us, there's, uh, you know, Primo. We our ideal customer profile is in uh, life sciences, uh, financial yeah. services, high tech, brand manufacturing, uh, retail, CPG, as some examples, and. There are, we know there's, there's web properties out there that will syndicate content for you. So there's companies like the financial brand. Uh, there's companies like fierce pharma. There's companies like CMS wire. We know, we know some of these, these sites that make sense for us to publish uh, and syndicate to because they've got our audience. You know, we do deep research and uh, where our audience goes and uh, what we want to do is be there for when our audience is. Is there? So you know, we pick those where, where, in, and how we uh, syndicate very, um, you know, very meaningfully. Uh, but yeah, you have to know the the properties out there that would where your audience is.
0: Are you doing that natively, or are you using a third party tool? Like, what's allowing you to get that specific and that I think like directly connected to your ICP?
1: Yeah, we do use uh, we have some intent providers. I saw you had uh, actually some of my really good CMO friends on your show previously.
0: Oh, cool,
1: yeah. I, I pretty much have all their technology in my stack, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, but then yeah, just uh, really researching any of the um, uh, other you know providers out there, and um, you know every year coming up with a plan of which ones we're going to prioritize, and um, but yeah, making sure that the what we want is the commercial traffic, um, you know, and then on top of that, it's you know setting either KPIs, leading indicators uh, of what good looks like in, you know, in that process as well, because it's a long game. I mean, you're playing a long game of audience building, you know, at getting in there, you know, just having them become aware of you, net new lead acquisition, engagement, yeah. and that you conversion. Um, it's a long time. And it, I'm fine with um, investing in one fiscal year, to build an audience that might not convert in that same fiscal year, it might convert in the
0: next fiscal year. Um, I like that you're fine with that. How do you make the chief revenue officer, or the CEO, fine with that? Like, because I agree. I think I think, and I think our clients agree natively. But then there's someone above them that invisible hand that constantly forces them to focus on short term, which ironically drives up their CAC, decreases their LTV CAC ratio, hurts their business, hurts their EBITDA but there's this like an invisible hand that takes long-term thinking and forces it down. How have you overcome that?
1: Yeah. But I think if you have leaders that also understand how marketing works, so they understand that the leading indicators of revenue, what those are. And if you put it in a measurement framework that says, yes, we're all about bookings. We're all about throughput to bookings. We're all about marketing originated bookings, but what's it take to get there? And you don't just walk up to somebody's front door and say, transact with me anymore these days. You know, it takes time to brand build that. And, you know, we closed the deal recently that, um, we started engaging with them. We have the, our attribution is, is awesome. And I can do a whole digital fingerprint story of dollars. We brought in this quarter back three years ago, three and a half years ago. And if you wow. if you got your digital, if you got your attribution game, uh, on point and yeah. you, you're working with other leaders who understand leading indicators, diagnostic metrics, KPIs of, of marketing, they'll, they'll say, yes, you know, you need to be delivering on pipeline, delivering on, you know, revenue outcomes, but what are you doing for us two quarters out, three quarters out, you know, next fiscal year, you know, if you're growing a business for uh, creating, you know, that commercial value, uh, enterprise value for, for growth, you gotta be thinking about the future too. So we're building revenue that's going to hit our pipeline in three years, too,
0: which is great. I love that. Yeah, no, and it, that, that forward thinking is so, I think, what's made a premium and obviously yourself think uh, successful. Like I've seen, too, it's also crazy when you see digital attribution of like, like the conversations you had an individual at one company who moves to another company. And then a year later at that new company works with you, too. Now, content. For some godforsaken reason, people hear content and they think either long-form guide or blog post. Like that's all their brain like knows. I've become really like obsessed with this idea of functional content that kind of drives product-led growth. So like a great example is Workable. Workable is an applicant tracking system. They work with uh, HR professional from like zero to 50 employees, let's mm-hmm. say. And they know one of the biggest pain points for this person who wears all these hats for the company is like uh, interview questions, job descriptions. And they've taken these right. And these are very scalable, right? No thought leadership, no expertise necessarily. And then so they have a thousand plus job descriptions on their site, driving millions of dollars of traffic. And the job description, if you like it, you can post now and it directly integrates to their product. So you've got like organic rankings, highly scalable. Product integration—I call this functional content. It's like the pinnacle of my mind of like SaaS content. When you look at a Primo across your customer base, what yeah. is the most successful content you're seeing right now that companies need to be doing more of that they might be missing? Like, what, what is that in your mind?
1: Yeah, some of the best brands are—they are—you um, know, it's it's customer centric, uh, but then it's really experience centric brands and yeah. so if they're thinking about the experience they're thinking about okay what do i need to do to create an experience that's more than more than just content more than just a transaction but have them yeah. connect and think about all of our senses right as as human beings um if we can appeal to a, as much of that as possible in a way that creates emotional connections like get them here yeah. uh, the, you've got the you know the rational and the emotional side of of our brains right and then if you can get to that emotional side you know the um uh then that's so much more powerful if you go back to like the book switch with yeah, the, you know, the elephant and the rider right if you can get that elephant work you know if you can connect with their elephant so, there's so much power there so yeah. these um these experience first brands like one of my Customers who I just think is amazing, which is Dolby. Go check yeah. out their website. It's like you're watching a movie, and um, it truly because that's what they do. I mean, they're they're a cinematic brand, yeah. so they can't have some static digital experience. They've got to make it look like when you pop that website, you step into an experience, and you you move around. You feel it. It's it's experiential. It's dynamic. It's hitting on you know the sights, the sounds. You almost feel like you're you're part of the the digital experience those brands are doing a great job at it and uh yeah. yeah and then content really it's pretty much everything that we've got customers who you know you've got your your standard yeah your white papers your um your one sheets video multimedia capabilities 3d uh virtual reality experiences and then um also um, non-file based assets. So that, so these assets are, you might not even, it could be just text, right? Text that gets put everywhere. It could be on a, a disclaimer. Uh, it could be on a label. Uh, it could be on a, you know, up one of these, you know, like that, like these text blocks here are, this is content here, you know, it's, uh, all forms and fashion and all that content needs managed. And you gotta have the metadata, the taxonomy around it in order to serve it up fast because, some of these best brands, what they do is they marry that data with the content at the moment of need and create a, a, an experience that's, I call it beyond personalization. It's not just, yeah. give me a segment, let's look what they purchased before, let's suggest these things, but literally in the moment, serving up an experience with uh, like a modular, yeah, yeah. sometimes called atomic, which is funny because warheads are, you know, <laughs> atomic content, yeah, which kind of comes together.
0: No, I love where your head's at there, though, Ed, and like I know Brian and our marketing team, we just invested in a CDP segment so that we can start doing more of this at scale and trying to deliver the most valuable content in the exact moment of need, fully enriched, firmographically, to give them the most relevant information we can, whether that's in a chat bot, an email, a video, a retargeting campaign, like how do we create this actual get people from apathy to action, stoke emotion and then create an outcome yeah from this now i loved all that you know what we gotta do this first
1: <laughs> are you going toxic waste or are you going warheads
0: oh i'm going straight toxic wasting oh, i don't geez. know just... all right I'll, I'll match you on blue whatever blue is right, you're going blue all right <laughs> the second one it's like a it's like painting i say right so like the first one's your primer the second one's the main oh, coat it's just it just hits
1: oh man All right, here we go. I can't even get out of packages. All right, here we go. Down Down there.
0: It It is so much more sour the second time. It's not even fair. Right?
1: Why is that? This one's going out my tongue. I can't even. I know.
0: My nose. I'm going to get a runny nose. (laughs) So, the other part of your platform marketing operations management. Like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, this is getting bad.
1: I'm getting the bad. You're now the
0: CMO of a new company. I'm so sorry, Primo. Ed's left you. You started this new company. It's a massive startup, huge valuation, classic 2021. But they have no marketing team. What are you going to do different from what you've done, like historically in your career? Now that you know what you know, what do those first hires look like? Because I know, for example, if I were to rebuild my staff and my team, I would do it entirely different now with the information I have. And I would do things that seem counterintuitive to maybe less experienced marketers and leaders. So for you, what, what would you do different now, everything you know to build out a marketing organization in a new organ in a new company?
1: Yeah, I would really it would be all about the market for me. Yeah. It would be all about understanding the market. Um understanding the, you know, the total addressable market. What is the, it, are we hitting, are we in a market that's big enough for our goals? Do we need to grow the market? Yeah. Uh, I would start all market research, market analysis, know that thing inside and out. And then, you know, as a first tollgate in a relaunch, and then I would build a team because then I know what kind of resources I need, where I need those resources, okay. what kind of market knowledge I need to bring in. I mean, cause anybody can come in, stand up a website. What's the brand, do some brand, uh, yeah. <laughs> some brand research. No. Yeah. And then, you know, bring in the systems and data and, you know, turn the plumbing back on. Um, but if you don't know your market and you can't even set goals around what
0: you're trying to achieve. Where did that happen though? And why did we go so awry? Like, and I know it sounds so stupid but why did we all of a sudden think we're God? Like, I feel like we as marketers, somehow believe that our data GA HubSpot Marketo is good enough that we didn't have to talk to our customers anymore that we didn't have to like actually go live our customers lives and really understand them. It's like, we just skip that. I can't tell you like how many accounts I'm working with right now at Directive who like, I call this the three tab test. And I think it's a very simple thing, but you look at, you say, If I was doing research and I searched digital asset management and I opened up three tabs, would I choose a primo? And that's the way I start all my relationships with our clients because they want us to come in and run Google ads or do organic or run LinkedIn or do their creative. But I wouldn't even choose them yet. So we're not ready for acquisition. Like we're not ready for that moment. Why do you think we just like like copy is dead? User focus groups, dead. Market research, dead. Like, where did it go? How did we get here?
1: Yeah. I think it's, you know, it, it could be something about the pressure to execute. You know, if we okay. feel like we're we're doing, then we're making progress. And if we that's feel true. like activity equals outcomes, but that's not true at all, right? <laughs> <Not true. laughs> yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I feel like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a runner. I need to go run. But if you don't, if you, are you running track? Are you running, you know, are you running in trails? Are you running in the woods? Are you, is it a marathon, I, marathon or a sprint? Cause those are different trainings. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a different uh, max V you know, are you even ready to go do that run? You know, do you, yeah. So I, I think you really have to give yourself, um, build a business plan that allows you to give yourselves permission to really understand what your market is that you wanna go into and who's in there, the, get the, into the heads of the personas really just do deep investigative work uh, to come back with something Um, and then, you know, not do it too early. Right. Cause then you say, Hey, I'm going to get started. Sure. We want to have a bias for action and get stuff done and go. And one of the things that I, my team really embodies, which is manage fast, you know, manage fast, you got to move fast, but at the same time, it's, you're going to learn as as quickly as possible. So you do have to, at one point in time, say, we're just going to go now. Yeah, we're, we're going to go down, we're going to move and um, prove out and or disprove our hypotheses around things and then just go with a learning mindset, like the growth, right? The growth mindset, yeah. uh, iterate and um, and know that we've got a plan in there to change, I think, is most important plan to change. That is the only thing that's constant, Will which will be changed.
0: I'll you say it. And I think. I can tell one of the reasons you've been successful is you're able to focus, right? Even in our pre-interview when I was just talking with you, you knew who your exact audience was. You knew why they needed you. You had criteria around if they were even a good target account. Like you call it, I think, the four V's. That was brilliant. Just so you know, like that is brilliant. I talked to a lot of marketers and they're very successful, but they treat their audience like a wide open ocean instead of a tiny pond. And so a lot of their marketing fails. So for everyone listening, as we close up this interview, I believe that like the best leaders and people in the world are able to say no to good ideas so they can only pursue great ones. How are you doing that at a Primo? Like, how did you get to that place? What did you learn? Is there an approach that you could give to everyone that's allowing you to stay so focused? Cause you are very, very focused. Like genuinely, I can tell your marketing is focused. You understand your audience. You're going after the right people like what's your process for staying focused and not getting distracted by the, the shiny objects of digital.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say that you really have to know your destination. You know, your mission, your visions, your values, they keep you grounded. And when you start to steer too far off from what those are, you got to bring it back. You know, you you really have to know, I call it, you know, it's your why, you know, of course. Um, you know, is this connected to your why? Is it part of your mission? If you're, if you're just in a, if your job, if you think your job is just to hit your targets, if, as, as a SaaS business, if you think your job is just to satisfy the financial outcomes of the business, that's all, yes, you have to do that. But if that's all you think, you can be so distracted with what the shiny objects or the quarterly outcomes versus long-term. But if you've got your mission, your why, your vision, if you can't see it, you'll never get there. And your values, keeping yourself grounded in what you need to do, that then also unites the company. Cause none of us can, achieve on our own we need the entirety um, you've got to keep those three things in order that's what keeps you focused going down the road and then you, what you have to do as a leader now is make sure everybody rem- you have to remind them you have to remind them on a weekly basis daily basis when they're challenged when they go off a path on a when they go off the path you have to sit them down let's talk about this use those frameworks of focus to get back on the mission
0: I love that, Ed. This has been amazing. If anyone wants to follow along with you in your journey and just what you're doing, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn?
1: Yeah. Find me on LinkedIn. That's my number one social media place to connect.
0: Continue I the conversation. It. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ed, for being on the show. Hopefully, your mouth is not completely obliterated by <laughs> sour candy. <laughs> and this has been awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Garrett.